good morning. I'm so glad that you could join us today. Before we get into the Word, I just want to take an opportunity to thank Pastor Julie last week, the wonderful Word that she ministered on Mother's Day. And uh, it was a joy for us to be able to see so many of you as you came through as we were able to give out some gifts. And it was just wonderful to have some conversations again and see some faces. And so I'm grateful that we had that opportunity. Looking forward to when we can all be back together again soon. I'm so thankful also that we have the chance to worship the Lord. I don't know about you, but I just love being immersed in the songs of victory and the songs of glory and praising the Lord. He is worthy of our praise, and I'm grateful for that. This morning, I want to start a message that I'm going to end next week. It's going to take us a couple of weeks. The title of it is The War of Light and Darkness. The War of Light and Darkness. And before we begin this morning, would you just bow your heads with me as we pray? Heavenly Father, we recognize the value of these moments. Even though we may not be together, we know that your word is powerful and that your word feeds us and strengthens us. And I know that across the nation, there are those that are watching us today, and I pray that you would begin to minister to their lives just where they're at. You are such an intensely personal God that you know exactly what the needs are. And I pray that as we begin to look at your word and how you are providing for us, that you would begin to unlock truths that everybody could just apply in their own lives in a very individual way. So we pray for your anointing to be upon us today in Jesus' name. Amen. There is a war that is being fought in our world today. It's being fought against an unseen enemy, one that many didn't even know existed until after they were attacked and begin to show symptoms of a wound. And whether we realize it or not, we are all a part of this fight. It's a deadly and insidious enemy that doesn't fight on the basis of national pride, it doesn't fight to conquer lands or to accumulate wealth, but seeks a host to gain entry to and attacks from the inside. And once we begin to determine how this enemy attacks us, we begin to find ways to remedy and to fight against it. And I want to show you a picture of what modern-day armor looks like today as we find healthcare workers that are in full regalia as they put on the armor that is necessary to fight this disease that we are seeing today. Many of you that are on the front lines know what it feels like to be encapsulated in all of this gear. And I've seen pictures of the workers at the end of the day as their faces show the marks of what their masks look like as they've indented their faces. And then there are those of us that while we are not on the front lines of this battle with this unseen enemy, we each have been asked to participate and take part in our own ways of protecting ourselves. And so we are each now wearing things that look like this. We're holding up our rubber gloves and we're walking around and we're seeing people and all of these things, recognizing that we are each doing our part to fight this unseen enemy. I find it interesting that we prepare ourselves so well to protect ourselves from this enemy, but there is a dark and diabolical and dirty war that is being fought throughout the world, and this is a deadly war as well. It's a war between light and darkness, between good and evil, between heaven and hell, 
between Christ and Satan. And whether you realize it or not, we are all a part of this war. You cannot afford to be uninformed and you cannot possibly be neutral. You will take one side or the other. There's a passage of scripture that I would like to read to you. And again, over the next two weeks, we're going to begin to unlock its truths. But it's found in Ephesians chapter 6, verses 10 through 18. And for those of you that have your Bibles, please join me and just read along with me if you would. Finally, be strong in the Lord and in his mighty power. Put on the full armor of God so that you can take your stand against the devil's schemes. For our struggle is not against flesh and blood, but against the rulers, against the authorities, against the powers of this dark world and against spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly realms. Therefore, put on the full armor of God so that when the day of evil comes, you may be able to stand your ground. And after you have done everything to stand, stand firm then with the belt of truth buckled around your waist, with the breastplate of righteousness in place, and with your feet fitted with the readiness that comes from the gospel of peace. In addition to all of this, take up the shield of faith with which you can extinguish all the flaming arrows of the evil one. Take the helmet of salvation and the sword of the Spirit, which is the word of God, and pray in the Spirit on all occasions, with all kinds of prayers and requests. With this in mind, be alert and always keep on praying for all of the Lord's people. When Paul was writing this, he was in prison because he had been a faithful servant to the Lord and as a result of that, he had been incarcerated. But being led by the Spirit of God, he needed to remind those whom he had led to the Lord and a church at Ephesus that he had begun, who they are in Christ. He wanted to strengthen them and to encourage them by reminding them of everything that God had given them in Christ. And during Paul's times in prison, he obviously became well acquainted with the armor and the weapons of those that were holding him and the prisoners that were overlooking him. And so as he is writing this letter, it's kind of a natural thing for him to be able to look at the soldiers and see the armor they're wearing and begin in his mind to make a comparison of what it would be like for us to wear the armor of God. And he starts out by encouraging the church and telling them, listen, the first thing that you need to know is that we have an adversary. So he describes our adversary to them. He says, we need to know who our enemy is. In verse 11, he said, put on the full armor of God so that you can take your stand against the devil's schemes. That's your adversary. He is called the devil. Now, the devil today is honestly kind of a laughable character within the society in which we live. Today, we make light of the devil. We have football teams and Hockey teams and other teams, basketball teams that are called the devil or they're called, uh, you know, demons. And we kind of make it a joke because I believe that we as human beings kind of think that we are too sophisticated to really be influenced by a real devil. Anyway, we have this image that the devil is someone that wears kind of long underwear, has a little pitchfork and 
maybe sits on your shoulder and whispers suggestions that might try to get you into trouble. And it's, it's always really, I think, been part of Satan's purposes to kind of pull the veil over his kingdom and leave people with an understanding that he may not really be real because he knows that if you don't think you have an enemy, that you won't prepare for a war with him. But this is only for a season because he has other plans that he intends to unleash on humanity. So child of God, you need first of all to understand to be certain that you know that you have an enemy. The Bible does not speak of the devil as a figment of our imagination. The Bible speaks of him as real and very present and a danger to anyone who is unprepared for his attacks. In verse 11, it says, you can take your stand against the devil's schemes. Do you know that the Greek word for scheme, or maybe some of you that may be reading another version, that it would be the wiles of the devil that's described. It comes from the Greek word methodoa. It's a word that we begin to draw our terminology of methodical or method from. In other words, Paul is warning us that Satan is very methodical, that he is strategic, that he is out to lead you into a life of sin and then will sabotage you and destroy you. His greatest goal is to, to tear your life apart, to tear your home apart. It's as if he's planting dynamite in the various areas, holding the fuse, waiting to light it so that he can blow your world up. In addition to being strategic, he's also spiritual. In verse 12, it says, For our struggle is not against flesh and blood, but against the rulers, against the authorities, against the powers of this dark world, and against the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly realms. There is a lot of spiritual wickedness in our world today. You see, sometimes people think that if something is spiritual, that it's good. In fact, we have seen all kinds of things floating around lately of people saying, well, this is spiritual and this is of the Spirit, so it must be good. But clearly we, as people of God, understand that there is more than one Spirit at work within the world. In fact, in 1 John chapter 4, verse 1, the Bible tells us, do not believe every spirit, but test the spirits to see whether they are from God. Because many false prophets have gone out into the world. So Paul is letting us know that there are evil spirits at work under the direction of the devil that are at work within our world. And so Satan is not only strategic, he's also spiritual, but he is also strong. In verse 12, Paul speaks about powers and spiritual forces. You need to know that in your flesh, you are no match for this adversary. You are puny and weak if you come against Satan arrogantly in your own strength, thinking that you can defeat him on your own. If that's the way that you view this enemy, you will be defeated every time. Satan has a dark and tyrannical power, and he is going to fight to the finish, and there's nothing... There is nothing that he won't do to wreck you, to ruin you, and to destroy your life. He is a liar and a cheater 
and will not hold anything back in his war against humanity and against you personally. And he's fighting you like this because he knows that he is a defeated force. In verse 10, it says, Finally, be strong in the Lord and in his mighty power, because our God has already defeated Satan. It's not that Satan shall be defeated. He's already been defeated. And in 1 John 4, 4, we read, You, dear children, are from God and have overcome them, because the one who is in you is greater than he who is in the world. So today I want you to understand that yes, we have an enemy. And yes, Satan is strong and he is sinister and he is strategic and he is spiritual. But God is almighty. He is above and beyond all that Satan has and is. And he that lives within us is greater than he that is in the world. Presently. We are living in an age where God still allows Satan to have power on this earth. And it is a limited power. But it is a power that we as Christians can and shall overcome in the power of the Lord Jesus Christ. But it is part of God's plan to allow us to face this enemy so that we can become an overcomer. And in overcoming him, give greater glory to the Lord himself. I want you to know something. The devil is attacking you because he's after two things. Number one, he wants God's glory for himself. Anything that he can do to diminish God's glory seems to elevate him. And that's what he's after is God's glory. And the second thing that he's after in you is he wants your worship. I don't think that we can overestimate the power of worship when we praise the Lord. We know that it is the open door for him to be at work within our life. And Satan can't stand that. So he manipulates things in your life so that someday he can see you bow before him. And he's after your worship. Knowing all of these things, Paul says to us, listen, in order for you to be able to succeed in this war of light versus darkness, there's some things that you need. And he begins to talk about our armor that is available to us. So not only do we need to recognize our enemy, we need to prepare for battle. Now, if you don't prepare for a battle, you're going to lose it. And when we put on the armor of God, we recognize that it is a holy armor. In verse 13, Paul says this, Therefore, in other words, because you have an enemy, because he's out to destroy you, because he's at work in the world, because he's insidious, because he's, he will do anything to destroy you, therefore, you put on the full armor of God. One of the things that I noticed about this that really kind of gave me comfort in this was when I recognized that God didn't say to you to put on your armor. Instead, he informs the believer that what is being provided for you in this battle is God-created. It is God-designed. It is God-approved. It is God-provided. This is God's armor that he is giving to you. So remember when he said, if you're fighting the devil on your own, you're going to lose. So, So God gives you the ability to have a protection for yourself that you can't make and that you didn't design. And while this is all fascinating to me, 
As you begin to look at each individual piece of armor that God is providing for you, you will recognize that it is designed specifically to hinder the enemy in a specific attack against you. Because he knows that he wants to weaken you and destroy you, so the Lord provides things for you that will hinder him in every way. I love it that God knows how to protect you because he knows every scheme of the enemy. He knows what he wants to do. So God steps in and says, let me protect you. He knows how he wants to attack. So God steps in and said, let me provide for you exactly what you need. And if you will be obedient in putting these things on, then you will be prepared for this war of light versus darkness. So let me describe to you what I mean by this. We read in this passage about pictures of belts and breastplates and shoes and shields and helmets and I want you to see that God is using each of these to describe a protection that he wants to give to you that will directly come against an aspect of your nature that God wants to protect. First of all, Paul says this, stand firm then with the belt of truth around your waist. Why do we need a belt of truth? Because God wants to protect your integrity. We put on this belt or girdle of truth, depending on your version that you're reading, which is the believer's integrity. Truth stands for integrity. You see, in the day in which Paul wrote, a soldier wore a tunic or he had a leather belt. And, and, and I am reminded by this, for those of you that may be weightlifters, you know when you get to the gym, you see these people with big, wide leather belts and they strap them on tight because it provides for them support for their core. It helps them as they, as they lift. And the warrior in that day had a leather belt or a girdle that was cinched up tight, holding them together in their core and preparing him for battle and to protect his loins. It is integrity in the life of the believer that holds everything else together. Truth and integrity are synonymous. You are to believe the truth. You are to know the truth. You are to love the truth. You are to tell the truth. You are to live the truth. And then it says, and the truth will set you free. If we don't war with integrity, your life is going to come apart. Satan is a liar, and he will come against you with lies. Jesus is the truth. Satan's attack is untrue. His attack is lying. His attack is to bring a lack of integrity to you or to tear apart the integrity of your life. And so at the moment that he begins to attack, God says, my armor that I am providing for you will keep your integrity protected. So I ask you today, are you wearing at this moment the belt of truth or are you living a lie? If you're not wearing truth, if you do not have the belt of truth, you do not have integrity in your life, in the big things or the small things. And I believe that there's an aspect of this that God wants to call to your attention. What kind of little compromises are you allowing in your life that the enemy can use to let them grow to be bigger things? The Lord wants to address those by providing for you, first of all, the belt of truth to protect your integrity. The second thing he wants to protect is your purity. He says, I'm providing for you the breastplate of righteousness for this. Now, righteousness is the believer's purity. Not only do you need integrity, you need purity. A warrior at this time 
had a breastplate and it would be made of woven chain and it would cover his heart and his lungs and his intestines and his vital organs. Without the breastplate, he was very vulnerable to a sword thrust or to an arrow. And what is righteousness? It is the purity that the Lord provides for us when we come to know him and he washes away our sin and cleanses us from all unrighteousness. And the moment that takes place, he says, you need to protect yourself because this purity is valuable. He says, blessed are the pure in heart, for they shall see God. That is, there's to be no unconfessed or unrepented sin in your life. Now, what the enemy wants to do is attack you, not only with lies, but he wants to attack you with things that will cause you to walk in impurity. He wants you to get your, you to fill your mind with lustful images. He wants to get into your heart, into your mind. He wants you to begin to work in ways where you're compromising in business deals or you're dealing with half-truths and kind of walking the line. He knows if he can begin to attack your purity that he will have found a way to get to your heart. So I ask you today, is there a crack in your armor? Are you living with purity? If not, then today is the day to say, Lord, I need to come to you and confess some things to you so that you can stand up and provide for me this breastplate of righteousness that will protect my purity. The next thing that the Lord begins to recognize as an attack of the enemy is he wants to attack your peace. And so the Lord says, let me protect your peace. In verse 15, he says, with your feet fitted with the readiness that comes from the gospel of peace. You are to put on shoes of peace. The believer's integrity and the believer's purity and the believer's tranquility or peace are important aspects of the nature that God gives to you. A Roman soldier needed good shoes to fight with. In fact, a Roman soldier would have something called hobnobs or, or little nails that would stick out of the bottom of, of their shoes. And it was very much like what we would consider baseball or football cleats that would give them the ability to grip and hold ground as they're moving forward and, and holding ground when they're standing still. And in this passage, Paul is, is telling us that we are going to have to withstand and that we are going to stand and therefore, your feet need to be shod with peace so that you can do those things. And next week, we'll get into a little bit more about what this means. But he's talking about having peace with God and peace with one another and the peace that God gives to our heart. Jesus gives peace. And unless you have peace, you can never make it in this war. Almost sounds like a contradiction, doesn't it? But it is the peace of God that allows you to withstand and become victorious in this. You see, when Satan attacks, he comes against you. He comes against your integrity with lies. He comes against your, your purity with, with lust and compromise. So how does he come against your peace? Well, he throws rocks at you, stones of, of doubt and discouragement, whatever he can do to destroy that peace. I believe that right now in the world in which we live and in the circumstances of our world, so many of the conversations that I've had with you have centered around the fact that you recognize your peace is under attack right now. Some of you are just churning on the inside. And part of that is that some of you have built your peace upon things that are not eternal. 
And as a result of that, this shaking that's taking place, God is allowing you to recognize that if your peace is built on anything but the solid rock of Jesus Christ, you need to turn your attention and put on this garment that will protect the peace that only God can give to you. The devil is using the world's situation to throw stones at discouragement at your faith, and, and maybe you're living in a situation where something unexpected has happened. Maybe there's some sickness. Maybe there's some disappointment. Maybe there's a financial reverse or a family situation, and you have lost your peace, and, and you find yourself laying awake at night in the middle of worry and discouragement, wondering if God is going to come through for you this time. Listen, I'll tell you, none of us are immune from that because even though we've seen God be faithful in the past, there are still things that when we face these rocks of discouragement being thrown, we wonder, is this going to be the time that somehow God doesn't come through? And of course, he is faithful and he always comes through. But you need to remember that God has given you divinely made armor for just that attack to keep you from being discouraged. One of the things that as you study your Bible, you begin to recognize is that peace in the Bible is not a subtraction of problems from life. Peace is the addition of power that comes to you to meet those problems. And peace comes through reading the Bible. It tells us in Psalm 119, verse 165 in the New Living Translation, those who love your instruction have great peace and do not stumble. Another version says at the end of that, they have great peace and nothing can offend them. Can I just tell you how ticked off the devil is when you are so full of the peace of the Lord that you can't be offended? That no matter what he does, you are able to stand there and say, none of this really matters because the peace of God abides in me and it's been protected by the shoes that he has provided for me and I refuse to be drawn in to the discouraging lies of the enemy. The only way that you can live with that kind of peace is to make sure that you take the armor of God that he's provided for you and put on the shoes of peace. Jesus made peace for us with the blood of his cross and if you don't have this, then you're going to slip and fall in battle. Many believers fall not because of a lack of integrity and not because of a lack of purity, but because of a lack of tranquility. The enemy attacks your peace so badly and begins to try to steal from you those things which God has appointed for you that you begin to doubt the very one who has stood with you all of this time. So the Lord says, do you put on my armor? Put on these shoes because it protects the attack of the enemy that seeks to discourage you from my peace. The next thing that the Lord provides for us in his armor is he wants to protect your certainty. It's protected with the shield of faith. The Roman soldier had a shield and it was about two feet wide by four feet long and it was made of wood, but it was covered in leather and they would regularly treat the leather on the outside of this shield with something that would retard the fire of arrows that was, seeked, uh, that was shot at them. And so these flaming arrows were flying back and forth and they would hold them up and this shield would douse them and stop them when they hit. And Paul says, in addition to this, take up the shield of your faith with which you can extinguish all the flaming arrows of the evil one. 
I love the fact that he said that we can extinguish all the arrows. Not that we hope just to get a few of them, but there's not a single arrow that he can shoot at you that your faith cannot extinguish. Why do we need this shield of faith? Satan's attack is going to be about adding doubt to your life. Satan uses lies, so I put on integrity. Satan uses lust and pride and arrogance, so we put on purity. He will bring discouragement, so we must put on peace and tranquility. Now, we take the shield of faith, and that is certainty. I need integrity, I need purity, I need peace, and I need certainty. And so I take this shield of faith because Satan is always shooting us, and he's shooting those fiery darts of doubt, and he's trying to find a crack where he can shoot them into your heart or shoot them into your mind, something that will leave a subtle doubt that makes you wonder if God is really in control of all of this. And so take that shield that quenches every fiery dart and feed your faith and starve your doubts. Dan Whittle wrote a song. The course of that song is one that those of you that are familiar with the hymns will recognize. It goes like this. But I know whom I have believed in. And I am persuaded that he is able to keep that which I've committed unto him against that day. Let me tell you something. When you have grabbed a hold of the shield of faith that God has provided for you to keep everything that you have in, in store for you, to keep your certainty, then you can stand and say, I know and I am persuaded he is able to take care of everything in my life regardless of the doubts and the fiery arrows that he sends my way against me. God will stand with me. And then he also wants to protect your sanity. Some of you right now are laughing because I know that there are some of you that have made notes, especially those of you that are homeschooling and trying to work jobs and on top. You're going, man, I am going insane. The, the battle of time management is just killing me. Let me tell you something. God's concerned about your thought life. He's concerned about your protection. And so Paul says, take the helmet of salvation. A warrior used this to put on his head, and, and it's obvious why he would do that, because we knew that if the head was wounded, nothing else would work. So what is this helmet of salvation? It literally means a helmet of deliverance. It's talking about the salvation that we have and, and the fact that we will go to heaven as a result of receiving the salvation that Jesus Christ has won for us. But I believe it's more than just that. Not that that isn't great and everything that we long for, but it's, it's talking about while we are here that the helmet of salvation brings to you a protection for your thoughts in your mind and brings them under the control of Almighty God. So that when we have the mind of Christ, because a believer needs to keep his head so that we can fight, when we have the mind of Christ, we can keep things together. We keep our sanity. So you put on the helmet of salvation. That is your sanity. It's covering your mind. It protects your thoughts. And now we are ready for battle. And if you look at each one of these pieces of armor and you think about it, it really represents Jesus. Jesus is saying, what I'm giving you is myself. I'm going to put myself between you and these attacks, but you've got to put me on. I provide the armor, but it is up to you to apply it. 
And the interesting thing about the way this is written in Greek is that this is not something you get up in the morning and you put it on getting ready for battle. This is talking about a permanence. There's a present tense to it all that means that you put this on and you keep it on all the time because we live in Jesus and he lives in us. So I ask you today, are you dressing yourself in this armor that is God made and God designed to thwart every attack that the enemy would throw your way? If not, I wanna invite you to do that today. Do you have integrity? Do you have purity? Do you have peace and tranquility? Do you have certainty? Do you have sanity? Because each piece of the armor you put on in prayer, and because when you put them on in prayer, Jesus stands in front of you, protects you and keeps you. Maybe today you're here and you don't know Jesus as your savior. Maybe you just tuned in and for whatever reason, I've been praying this week that somebody would just, for whatever reason, catch this at just the moment when you need it the most because you find yourself discouraged and, and, and you find yourself defeated. And I want you to know that victory is not something you attain. Victory is found in Jesus Christ. So may I invite you today into a relationship with the one who says, I will protect you and I will keep you. And in the middle of this war between darkness and light, the father of lights will stand in front of you, protecting you and keeping you. May I invite you into that relationship today? If you would like to know Jesus as your savior, would you simply pray this prayer with me? Heavenly Father, I know that you sent Jesus to be my substitute. He paid the penalty of sin when he died on the cross and he shed his blood and in that blood comes my victory. So today, I declare to you that I'm a sinner in need of your salvation. Forgive me of my sins. And I pray that everything that Jesus has provided for me in this war with a devil that is real and alive and working hard to destroy me, that as I stand behind Jesus, as I put on this armor, that I will find victory that I have never known before. And so God, today I surrender myself to you. And I pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.